0: Support for Coffee Table comes from Pier One Theater, Homer's Community Theater, supporting community voices. Schedules and information on Pier One Productions at 226 2287 and peer1theater.org.
1: tuned to listener-supported public radio this is k201 ao seward 88.1 fm and kbbi homer am 890 the time is 902 a.m i'm kathleen gustafson and you are tuned to the coffee table this week dementia and alzheimer's awareness training which is going on here in town march 16th 18th 19th there's a lot. Of information to get out there. I want to start with my first guest who's here in the studio, and then I'm going to go to our Zoom guest in just a minute, uh, Morgan Lafford. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. And I have seen you here before when we were talking about grief training, but Hospice is now partnering with Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska. Do I have that right? You have it correct. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about you. Introduce yourself, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about the relationship.
2: That's great. So, again, my name is Morgan. I am a bereavement consultant with Hospice of Homer, and so I help with the educational programs and the bereavement programs. We've been very lucky to be able to partner with Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska to bring um, dementia awareness and training to Homer. And so we did this in the fall, and we're very excited to be doing this again with March in terms of bringing dementia programs to the Homer area for a couple days and have um, Debbie, who's the dementia educator from Alzheimer's, come on down. Um, We have it coming up uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, On March 16th, we're actually showing a film called Alive Inside which is about dementia and the effects of music on Alzheimer's dementia. And then we have on the 18th, uh, Positive Approach to Care, which is a community educational um, series where people can come to the Hospice of Homer uh, office and learn more um, about dementia in terms of positive positive approach to care.
1: Well, we're gonna break all of those down. Oh, good. In the coming hour, and really so so that we really talk to people about it. I feel like a very important part of what we do during this hour is demystify all the things that might happen so that people can really feel like they're welcome there. They know what to expect. But first, let's meet Debbie Chulick. Debbie, do you read me?
0: Yes. Good morning.
1: Good morning to to you. Glad to be with you. So, Debbie, you're from the Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska. Can you introduce yourself a little bit in that context? Yes, I sure can. I am a dementia educator here at Alzheimer's Resource of
0: Alaska. I've been working here for more than 9 years. Before that, I was the activity director at a large assisted living here in Anchorage, which is where I live. I'm also a certified dementia practitioner and a certified positive approach to care facilitator and we'll go into those a little bit more, but I've worked with seniors in one capacity or another for more than 20 years, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to connect with your listeners and help get the word out about what's available for
1: caregivers and for people living with cognitive changes. Thanks so much. That's Debbie Chulik. uh, My first question is for you, Debbie, because I need someone to lay it out for me and separate what. What what's the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia, and where do they intersect? Absolutely. That question comes up quite a
0: bit. We like to think of dementia, the word dementia, is an umbrella term. So if you envision an umbrella, dementia is the umbrella, the symptoms of dementia, which include forgetfulness, confusion, trouble with money, sometimes language problems, sometimes problems with self-care, poor or decreased judgment, problems with abstract concepts like money or driving or cooking. So the umbrella is the symptoms. Underneath the umbrella are different things that might be causing the symptoms of dementia. So dementia itself is not a disease. It's a collection of symptoms. So if we were to go to the doctor and report some of these concerns, or if we were to go with someone to the doctor, confusion, memory issues, troubles with language, troubles with self-care, problems driving, problems making decisions, the doctor might say, okay, that sounds like dementia. Now, the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear that word, is what could be causing this collection of symptoms. Is it something as simple as dehydration or a little infection? Is it a thyroid problem or undiagnosed cancer or diabetes? Is it something that, is it a mental health issue? Is it some depression going on? Or is it a disease of the brain? So Alzheimer's is a disease of the brain, similar to Lewy body dementia, frontal temporal dementia, vascular dementia. Those are diseases of the brain. Kathleen, I like to think of it like a little skin rash. What could be causing a little skin rash? A lot of things, dog bite, bug bite, eczema, psoriasis, poisons, chemicals. Including a disease of the skin called skin cancer. Dementia is similar to that. When I hear the word dementia, I think I wonder what is causing those symptoms. Is it a thyroid problem? Like I mentioned, is it dehydration? Is it depression? Is it an infection? Or is it a disease of the brain? So those are some of the differences, and some of the kind of where they intersect. So again, dementia is not a disease. It's a collection of symptoms, including forgetfulness, memory issues, problems with language, problems with self-care, problems with judgment, and Alzheimer's
1: is a disease of the brain. Thank you so much. That is Debbie Chulik from the Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska. Morgan, I'm coming to you in just a minute, but I wanna stay with Debbie for just a second because you mentioned that you are a, oh, you're gonna have to remind me, a certified dementia aide or practitioner? Practitioner. Practitioner. uh What does it take to become, to attain that certification?
0: So it's an eight hour training and there's a pre-test and a post-test we have to score a certain percentage on, and there's homework, of course, associated with that. So it's just a matter of taking the class, taking the coursework, and then becoming a certified dementia practitioner once a person passes the exam with a certain level.
1: And does the Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska facilitate that training? No, no.
0: So that is facilitated through the University of Alaska Anchorage, the
1: Center for Human Development. Thanks so much. Now, I'm going to go to Morgan. Thank you for waiting, because I would like to know how your work intersects with dementia and Alzheimer's, but also you have some personal experience you said you were willing to relate.
2: Well, in terms of how my work intersects with it is a lot of the clients and um, a lot of the people that we work with in terms of hospice are affected by dementia, whether it be somebody who is having that disease or whether it's a caregiver. And so with hospice, we always want to make sure that we are serving our community the best way possible. And so what we do is we brainstorm and figure out the ways that we can get the word out, get the education out, match the needs of our community. And so for um, Alzheimer's and dementia, these these events are a great way for us to use the resources in Alaska and to have Debbie come and talk more um, about what it actually is and to help serve and provide that community resource. In terms of personal experience, I do not have any individual personal experience, though one of the things that we are offering this uh, coming weekend in terms of the dementia training is the virtual dementia tour, which I ended up um, experiencing when Debbie was here last time, and it was completely life-changing.
1: Great. So if anyone would like to ask questions of Debbie Chulik from the Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska or Morgan Lafford from Hospice of Homer. The lines are open. You can email to Kathleen at kbbi.org if you'd like for me to just read your question. Or if you want to relate some experience or ask the question yourself, you can call 907-235-7721 and we will put you on the air. So the next thing I want to do is start breaking down all the things that are going to happen during the four days of dementia events in Homer. Uh, First of all, we'll get to the movie, which is the beginning of it. We'll get to that. But I would very much like to go back to Debbie and talk about... What happens during a memory screening and an evaluation? Because you're going to be available for people to go through those. And I'd like to know what happens during a memory screening. Absolutely. So we
0: describe the memory screening as one snippet of time. Where a person is right then on the day that we're doing the assessments is a general picture of where they are we tell people our memory screenings are non-diagnostic meaning i am not a doctor i am not a psychologist we are not providing a diagnosis what we provide is what we describe as a baseline we encourage people to get a memory screening once a year or as often as they desire if they feel like their memory is changing. So during the memory screening, we use two different assessment tools. We use something called an AD8 dementia screening interview. AD8 has eight questions where a person self assesses if they have noticed changes in in themselves over the last several months or weeks. So some questions on there would be, I am noticing changes in my ability to manage my finances. And they would put a check. Yes, I'm noticing a change. No, I'm not noticing a change or they don't know. And then there's another question about self-care or using equipment. So again, they're encouraged to self-score How are they doing in those areas if they've noticed a change? The other tool that we use is called the 3MS, the mini mental status exam. And the 3MS is a 100-point assessment. We try not to even use the word test because some people get anxious when they think they're having a test. You know, it's like, oh, I, I don't do well on tests. So we try to take that pressure off and we just call it an assessment. It takes about 15 to 20 minutes and the 3MS looks at different aspects of cognitive and thinking processes. Then at the end of those two assessments, we have a conversation. I talk with the person about what are they noticing? What concerns do they have about their memory? What kind of supports do they have in their life? I also encourage everyone who comes for a memory screening to start a conversation with their doctor or nurse practitioner or other health provider if they're having questions or concerns. I give some handouts about, one of them is called Preparing for Your Doctor's Visit, and it asks if your health memory or mood has changed. Then there's some self-score questions on there and some questions about medications, over-the-counter, current and past medical conditions. So we put a pack of information together with them along with the results from the memory screening that they can take with them. And that's the extent of the memory screening. Sometimes if someone is concerned about something that they, maybe they didn't score as well as they thought, their doctor or nurse practitioner might recommend some additional testing or some additional follow-up. And that is provided in a longer setting. It takes a longer, many hours to complete that. But ours is a baseline. There is no cost. We provide these memory screenings free to the community. And for people living down in Homer and on the Kenai, we can do these memory screenings via Zoom. So, of course, the ideal situation would be to do it in person, but there is an option for us to do memory screenings via Zoom.
1: So I do have a question uh, that came to Kathleen at KBBI.org about privacy. Do you save the information? Do you inform anyone of the results?
0: Great question. We absolutely adhere to very strict privacy policies. Even if someone calls us at our office and says, well, my mother said she came in for a memory screening and I need to know what the, the results are. We will not share that information unless the person signs a, what we call an ROI, a release of information that gives us permission to talk with someone else but that then, they would like to know.
1: But then it's really only to a specific person. Is that correct with an ROI? That is correct. Yeah. Because you can't, you don't sign an ROI and then anyone can know. And I appreciate the question because it's a risk that people are taking when they open themselves up to a diagnosis. Um, I, if you have any, if you want to expound on that at all, Debbie, go ahead. And then I'm coming to you, Morgan.
2: Okay.
0: (laughs) Yes, Kathleen, I'm glad you mentioned that. absolutely, people are... Wondering how will this information be used? Where will this information go? How is it stored? We keep all of the memory screenings for seven years, the hard copy. That's what is suggested by by law. And um, they're in a locked file cabinet. We, again, we only release information to someone that we have permission to speak with. We do give the summary sheet to, so when the person comes in for the memory screening, we give them a summary sheet of the two assessments that we did and they're welcome to share that information with anyone. But again, you're right. It takes a lot of courage to, especially if someone is curious about, boy, is this normal aging? Is this something more serious? Is this something to be concerned about? Maybe I'm just having a bad day. It absolutely takes courage to come in and expose ourselves a little bit and say, hey, I'm struggling in this area. What are some things to be looking out for? What should I be aware of? And we take that very seriously. We take that privacy very seriously, and we try to make it as comfortable as we can for the person coming in, understanding that it is a risk.
1: Thanks. That's Debbie Chulick, Dementia Educator for the Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska. I'm going to Morgan Laffert now from Hospice of Homer. You're welcome to add to that, uh, but I wanna switch the focus now because of I feel like we've gotten a lot of baseline information to people to talk about the Positive Approach to Care event. So are you, do you want to take that Yeah, on? we
2: can talk about that event. So
1: that's March 18th?
2: March 18th, it's at 10 a.m. Debbie could probably explain more specifically about what it's about. It's at Hospice of Homer. And,
1: and what, tell people where, the, where to find you.
2: So Hospice of Homer, we're located at uh, 265 East Pioneer Ave, right next to Captain's Coffee. And it's at 10 a.m. And so we're, what we're doing is we want to offer education to the community about, um, Alzheimer's dementia. So we have a couple offerings, um, during that weekend and on the 18th at 10 AM, we are offering positive approach to care. Debbie, do you want to talk a little bit about what that is specifically? Yeah, what does that mean? Absolutely.
0: So positive approach to care is the name of the, the overriding kind of the mother, um, company Positive Approach to Care is a specific tool, it's trademarked, and it was created by an occupational therapist by the name of Tipa Snow. Teepa Snow has dedicated her life to training professional providers, family caregivers, and the general public about how to assist people that are living with dementia or cognitive changes or Alzheimer's. So the positive approach to care is a tool that is used to allow people to connect with other people that are experiencing cognitive changes. So there are some involved in that. There are some communication tips, of course, but there's also a physical way to approach someone who may be having a difficulty either some difficulty with brain function, even a difficulty with maybe they're having depression or some other mental health condition. So the tools that the positive approach to care offers are really for anyone. There are some physical practices that I will introduce. They're called, it's called hand under hand. And there's some Again, the the aspect of being a positive approach to care, getting down to the person's level, connecting with them eye to eye, if that's culturally appropriate. And again, just communication tools, our physical presence, how we come upon a situation or come upon a person who's living with cognitive changes. So the positive approach to care is a trademark corporation. That's the name of the program and I am a, a certified facilitator for that, so that allows me to go to different areas and offer the tools that Positive Approach to Care has come up with.
1: Thanks so much. I I wonder, Morgan Laffert, have you taken the virtual dementia tour?
2: I have done the virtual dementia tour.
1: <laughs> would you relate? Would you relate your experience? Because that happens from two to four on the 18th, so the positive approach to care uh, introduction or gathering is 10 a.m. in the hospice office. Then from two to four, there's the virtual dementia tour. And will you relate your experience? Of of
2: course, so with the virtual dementia tour, you actually sign up for it. So it's like a 15 to 20 minute slot. So you would call hospice, um, the number two three five six eight nine nine, and sign up for a slot. And what you would do is you come, you will meet Debbie, and then you sign a consent form. And they gown you up so you get all this stuff on.
1: Wait, what? they gown you up? Like, <laughs> what does that mean? I won't Are you like in a bee? I'm, I'm imagining you in a beekeeper suit right now. Uh,
2: I, won't, I won't spoil it too much, but I will say okay. there's headphones, there's eye, um, eye gear. You put stuff on your hands. And what like, you like, V
1: like, like virtual reality? Well, it's not either.
2: like a computer oriented, but it's just like glasses that give you the effect. I like see. if you had dementia, this is how you would you would see, mm-hmm. and this is how you would yep. touch things, and this is how what you would hear. And so I went. I had no idea going into it what exactly it would be. And so Debbie was great. She explained everything. And what you do is you go into a room, and she asks you to do a couple tasks. And then after that, you sit down and you debrief. What I would say in terms of my personal experience was it was very life-changing for me because I saw all, Alzheimer's and dementia as just a memory illness. So you think of it as somebody's just losing their memory, but when you experience it in that way, you realize there's so much more that is actually happening to that person that they, that they can't express to you. And it really gives you so much compassion to somebody who's going yes. through that, it's just so powerful in terms. Of, I really, really wish everybody could experience it because you can feel, and it just changes, and your relationship to how you see that illness and diagnosis.
1: And Debbie Julik, would you like to add to that to talk about the virtual dementia tour?
2: Yes, I sure would. Thank
1: you.
0: So the virtual dementia tour was created by a company called Second Wind Dreams, and. Um, the Virtual Dementia Tour is an empathy building experience. It's a 10 minute window of time to help those of us who are not affected with brain changes to develop a sense of empathy and compassion for those that are experiencing cognitive changes and the aging process in general. So Morgan is exactly right. We change your perception of reality by giving you goggles and headsets, putting gloves on your hands, insoles in your feet. And we take you into a room that is supposed to look like an apartment. It's got a a dining table and it's got a bed and it's got some other, a desk. And I ask you to do some assignments, some little tasks as you are garbed up. Then we end the experience we do a little debriefing, there's a little post, there's a pre at the beginning, a little post-test at the end. And again, it's an empathy building experience. So someone might say, well, should I bring my loved one who, who's experiencing dementia? Should I bring them to the virtual dementia tour? And we would say, no. Um, for someone who's already experiencing brain changes, they're living that situation every day. The virtual dementia tour is really designed for those of us that have normal brain function and are doing pretty well in our day-to-day life. It might feel a little overwhelming for someone to get garbed up if they're currently living with brain changes. Well, I'm glad so, to hear.
1: I'm glad to hear that it's yeah. not a part of of determining whether or not someone is dealing with dementia. Right. This is right. for it's a
0: very powerful friends and experience. family,
1: for caregivers. Yes. Yeah.
0: Neighbors, interested people, to see what it might be like. And again, it's about the aging process as well. Not every person will have every physical disability that we challenge them with in the virtual dementia tour. But it is truly a positive, empathy-building, compassion-building experience. And I'm so looking forward to
1: having as many people as possible come through the tour. So on March 18th, from 2 to 4 p.m. in the hospice office, that's happening. But then also the next day, March 19th, they'll be doing it again. So you could sign up to be there on March 19th at 10 a.m., if the afternoon hours don't work for you.
2: Yep, just call the hospice office and see what times are available, um, and they'll sign you up and um, tell you the time to come on down.
1: So if you have any questions or you just want to relate your experience, we would love to hear from you. Jimmy is on the phones right now at 907-235-7721, and he'll either patch you through so you can ask your question or make your comment in person, Or you can just, he'll just write down your comment and chat it on into me. So, also, you can email directly to Kathleen at kbbi.org. I'm going to back up a little bit and go back to Morgan Laffert from Hospice of Homer, because this all begins, like a week and a day from now, March 16th, with a showing at the Homer Theater of a film called Alive Inside. Can Can you talk a little bit about that? Is it a free...
2: It's a free, yeah. it's a free admission, and it is March sixteenth at six p.m. at the Homer Theater, for to, to screen the documentary called Live Inside," which is talks about the effect of music on dementia patients, uh, and it is being sponsored by Hospice of Homer and Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska, and it's just a great way to see all these people impacted by music and to learn and empathize, and understand more about those that are going through that diagnosis. Donations are accepted. So if you want to donate to hospice while there, we greatly appreciate it. Um, but that we are kicking that whole um, four days of Alzheimer's events off with that. And afterwards, Debbie's going to lead a discussion. So people can oh, nice. talk about their experience and talk about how the film affected them and so forth. So it's a great way to have the community to come together to see a good film and to also talk more about about their experiences.
1: Okay, I'm going to ask Debbie a little bit about the discussion here in a minute, but I just want to make sure everybody knows I won't be there recording you. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. You know how I am. I love to put the mic on, but I do feel like I do feel like privacy and respect for people's personal lives is hugely important when we're talking about dementia and Alzheimer's. Of
2: course, yes.
1: So, Debbie, is there anything you want to add about the discussion following Alive Inside on March 16th?
0: Sure, absolutely. The discussion will be about how has music impacted the participants, the viewers of the film, how music has impacted them personally, and we'll also talk about some things from the film that maybe um, we'll spark some more conversation or some more discussion. So I have the film jacket here in front of me. And if you'd like, I would be happy to read how they describe Alive Inside. You go right ahead, Debbie. It says, Alive Inside is a joyous cinematic exploration of music's capacity to reawaken our souls and uncover the deepest parts of our humanity. Filmmaker Michael Rosado Bennett chronicles the astonishing experiences of individuals around the country who have been revitalized and awakened by the simple act of listening to the music of their youth. So this is a documentary. It was made in 2014 and it is a fantastic really well done documentary. It chronicles the uh, Michael Rosado Bennett's travels and his work to try to get music into some of the assisted livings around the country and some of the roadblocks that he ran into. You would think, oh, everybody would want music. Oh, sure.
1: I would think so because it's, it's, it's long been known and anybody who has elderly friends and relatives knows what music does to unlock memory and time and place yes
0: but he ran into some considerable challenges on his journey and it records all this in the film so again really well done documentary it's about two hours in length a little less than two hours in length and then we'll have a discussion afterward Oh, I'm sorry. The running time is an hour and a half. It's about 80 minutes in length. Even better. So, Even better. <laughs> That's right. So we'll have a discussion after that. And again, everyone is welcome to join us and share their experiences with music.
1: Thanks. That's Debbie Chulik, the dementia educator from Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska. Morgan Lafford is also here from Hospice of Homer. I'm Kathleen Gustafson, and you're listening to The Coffee Table on KBBI. And K201AO, Seward. I would like to uh, get back to the final gathering that I have on my list, which is March 19th, Normal Aging versus Something Serious. And that's at Pioneer Hall at Kachemak Bay Campus of Kenai Peninsula College. And it looks like it says 2 to 2.30 p.m., so it's not like you're going to be there for a whole afternoon. It looks like a pretty short thing, but uh, Debbie Chulik, would you like to preview that for people?
0: Absolutely. So that will be an interactive discussion that we'll have about normal aging versus something more serious. I'll talk about some of the signs and signals of normal aging. And then we'll talk about some of the warning signs of aging. There is a lot of fear potentially associated with people experiencing memory issues. The first, I think for a lot of folks, the first concern is, oh my goodness, I forgot why I came into the kitchen. And does that mean I have Alzheimer's or I dementia? I hope
1: not. That's been happening to me since I was a child.
0: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> me too. So part of the talk is to really address some of the fears and confusion that people might have about their own aging. We wanna normalize the aging process a little bit and just let folks know what to look out for. Not just in ourselves, but of course we all share the planet together. We all look out for each other. So I'll give some really practical ways to start a conversation. If you're concerned about your neighbor or your aunt or yourself, will will give some really practical tools about ways to uh, start the conversation. And Morgan, I, is the time from two to three thirty? It's
2: two to three thirty.
1: Oh, okay. The flyer yes. is wrong. <laughs> I love finding errors. <laughs> Excellent.
0: That's right. I'm glad you. I'm glad you said that because I thought. Oh, I think it's a little bit. It's an hour and a half. Than two to two thirty. Yeah, a little bit hour. It's about an hour and a half.
1: Okay. So,
0: yes, everyone is welcome. Even if you don't have anyone in your life that is experiencing any cognitive changes, you're welcome to come and be with us because, again, we all look, look out for each other on the planet, and there may be some things that you will pick up that will be useful for you moving forward in the future.
1: Also, Thank you for pointing that out because it also speaks to a little bit of the, the fact that people might be... Uh, might be might be feeling tentative about showing up for it. It is a little bit of a personal risk. I mean, old age is coming for all of us if we're lucky. So right. Right. yeah, that's right. Now, I would like to um, turn my attention to the caregivers for a little while. And I know uh, Morgan, you and I both have the same set of notes on this. I yeah. found out once we uh, met up this morning, Can you talk a little bit about the caregiver support group and lead people and maybe just about, um, well, I mean, it's, well, you go ahead. So
2: (laughs) one of the, a tremendous resource in this community is the caregiver support group, and that is run by Pam Hooker, and it's, um, Every other Thursday, I believe. And it's just, a, uh, it offers support for caregivers to just come talk about their experiences. And it's at the Homer Senior Center, Homer right? Homer Senior Center, yeah. She does a phenomenal job. And it's just, it's so nice to see them come together and have that space to talk about what they're experiencing. Uh, and, I, and that is definitely something that caregivers of those with Alzheimer's, caregivers in general, just need, they just need to... Be heard and be seen, and that group offers a, a great way for that to happen.
1: Well, I know that Hospice of Homer definitely uh, relies upon caregivers. And so, yes. what are some of the resources? Like, do you give respite? And that's can you explain to people what that is, and and what kind of resources that Hospice of Homer year round, not just during this, not just during this four days, can uh, can provide for people?
2: So Hospice of Homo wants to be a resource for those that are going through dementia, Alzheimer's, especially with the caregivers. So we do have volunteers and we can offer respite care. So if someone is in need of somebody to watch um, watch their loved one while they need to go grocery shopping or so forth, please call. Just let us know what the need is and we can try to see if we can fill it. Also, in terms of education, if there's things that you would like to learn more about, we are very much happy to c- get you in touch with Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska or to set up educational events to be able to, in the community, to get more awareness out because we really see the need, and we want to make sure that we are supporting the community with that.
1: Okay, and just to rep- uh, we'll make sure that this also goes on the website when we post this meeting in the coffee table. But that caregiver support group, I have that it meets the second and fourth Thursday of each month, but that may be subject to change. And the group leader is Pam Hooker, and it happens at the Homer Senior Center. And I have a number for Pam, so get your pencils ready. Uh, It's uh, 907-299-7198. And you can, uh, if you want to comment... Oh, hey, Kristen in Anchor Point. Hey, is the caller there? Yes, I am. Go ahead. Um, I was wondering, uh, being that I'll be 70 in another month, um, I was wondering if there are going to be any programs about ageism, uh, the discrimination that the aged are beginning to uh, feel in our society, kind of an underlying uh, resentment toward us and I've noticed that in some of the cases of mass shootings they've taken places at places where there are uh, old people uh, there are, are there, and that more old people seem to be getting targeted for things So I'm going to ask uh, Debbie from the Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska thank you for calling about the assumption that that old people like it's not, it's not important because they're on their way out, or that they can become targets because they're seen as less, less full human beings. Um, I would. Uh, does the Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska have a position on ageism, or? If you'd like to make a call, nope. please hang up. Thanks for calling, but I do want to uh, I do want to respond to the caller's concern about being old means being invisible a lot of the time, or on the other side, conversely, being a target.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Isn't that Isn't that something really a very indicative of our society that we tend to focus on youth and being young and being strong and being healthy? But there are so many gifts that our aging parents, our aging grandparents, our aunts and uncles, can, our neighbors, our friends can offer to us, including some of the biggest gifts that I am learning, not only from people that are experiencing cognitive change, but from people who are experiencing the aging process, is being able to be in the present moment. A lot of times people with memory issues, they may not have a lot of details about the past, or they may have details about the past from a long time ago, not necessarily details about the immediate, you know, recent past. So there are so many gifts that can be learned, including learning to be in the present moment, learning to appreciate what we have as we age learning to recognize the stories and the contributions that elderly people have made to our society i mean so many times we think oh that you know that's an older person they don't really but we forget my goodness these are people that have served in the military been teachers, been doctors, been educators, been world travelers, been parents, been whatever that we can glean history and wisdom from if we just open up to the possibility of connecting with them as another human being. And that's what I love about working with this population, that they have so many life experiences just from age that I haven't gone through yet. And I want to be open to that. A lot of times in other cultures and societies, age is revered and age is respected. And I feel like we're starting to shift toward that in the United States, that age is not something to be feared or to be put away in a corner. Age is something that can be celebrated. Wisdom is something that can be acknowledged and appreciated. And there's a a lot of potential for connecting our elders with volunteer opportunities and with connecting with youth that we're not tapping into yet.
1: Thanks. Uh, Also, before we took that call, I was just about to ask you, Debbie Chulik, about respite care and uh, caregiver trainings available through Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska. Is there um, Are there resources that you can talk about?
0: Absolutely, yes. In addition to the in-person support group that meets in Homer with Pam Hooker, there are many, many caregiver support groups that we offer through Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska on Zoom so they're available statewide. We specifically have a group just for partners, spouses or intimate partners, knowing that sometimes those needs are a little bit different. That group meets on Saturdays and on Tuesdays. People can get information about all of these groups on our website which is www.alzalaska.org, Alaska spelled out. So there's a support group just for spouses and intimate partners. There's a, a grief support group that we have for preemptive grief, as well as for people that have experienced a recent loss. We have general support groups that meet if they're not available to meet in person, maybe it doesn't work into their schedule. We have groups that meet at different times of the month, in the evenings, during the day, on the weekends. And we also have a Facebook page just for families and friends of people living with Alzheimer's or related dementia. So there's lots of opportunities to connect and to feel supported and to get some help or encouragement or education. We have what we call caregiver 101 classes. And these are on a variety of topics, including driving and dementia, traveling with someone with dementia, communication tips, keeping memories alive, legal and financial questions. And again, all this information is available on our website. The caregiver 101s are all on Zoom So they're again offered statewide, there's no cost for any of our educational programs or services. The other thing I want to share with your listeners, Kathleen, is something called a mini-grant. Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska partners with the Alaska Mental Health Trust Authority to provide a statewide mini-grant for anyone experiencing Alzheimer's or related dementia, up to $2,500 for anything not covered by another funding source. So people can get very creative with that. They can use this mini grant money to buy clothing. Sometimes people will lose or gain weight as they age or experience dementia. It can be used for art supplies. It can be used for therapeutic massages. Transportation is
1: often transportation. Transportation.
0: Absolutely. As well as respite services or adult day services. Again, they can find out information about the mini grant at our website, www.alzalaska.org. And our mini grant administrator, his name is Kevin Silver. And they can reach Kevin at 907-561-3313. But that's the support available
1: statewide. Thank you. And before we get back to it, I have a caller on line one. Donna, do you read?
3: I'm here. Go ahead. Hi. Good morning, ladies. First, I want to wish you all a happy International Women's Day. Oh, Yay. Yay. (laughs) And thank you for the program. And um,
1: I'm not hearing the call. Oh, I'll I'll oh. repeat for you. Let me see if there's. How about now? Thank Go ahead, you. Donna.
3: I'm here. Yeah.
1: Oh yes. Thank you. Go ahead. Okay.
3: Okay. Um, so anyhow, I'm hearing a very weird echo of my voice, but I'll try to focus. Um, anyhow, my my mom suffered from uh, dementia, at least. But in any case. And, and she lived much longer than she wanted to. Um, and I'm wondering if we could, I know it could be the, the dark side of the world, but, you know, I remember my sister and I taking a walk while we were all feeling she was slowly slipping away. Her body just took a while to um, allow her to pass. But anyhow... What we said to each other was, boy, I hope by the time we are possibly at this threshold that we have the choice to exit on our own terms. And I know hospice is able to help with medications and stuff, but I know I know it's not, you know, this whole thing of end of life with dignity and choice is an ongoing process. But I wondered if if you guys in this, field, you know, touch on that sometimes. Or if people come to you and ask you about that and, and anyway.
1: Okay, thanks so much for the for the prompt for the uh call. I'm sorry I've helped to figure out why either Donna gets an echo or Debbie can't hear. <laughs> it's one of those two. Um so, Oh I can hear now. Yep. Okay, good. Yeah. So Debbie, you want to take that on. Uh, Absolutely. End of life issues are absolutely something that people have to address.
0: Yes, absolutely. And thank you for your call and the question. In our society, it seems like the topic of death and dying is kind of taboo. We're not used to talking about death and dying and dying with dignity and things like that. The good news is that as We, meaning we on this call and we who are listening, as we become more comfortable asking questions about death and dying, I believe it's going to kind of spread. It's going to be a ripple effect. So even though there are no easy answers when it comes to death and dying, very, very personal decision each person has to make and struggle with. I love the idea that as a society, we're starting to talk about it. We're starting to explore options. We're starting to discuss what our wishes are. There's, like you mentioned, there may be some legal issues. There's no easy answer right now. But as we continue to grapple with these issues, and as we continue to become comfortable even talking about death and dying, it will become easier and we will start to have some other solutions and some other options, so I believe.
1: I'm going to go to Morgan because you have the most metal title for a book club <laughs> I have ever heard. <laughs> and it speaks directly to this concern. So will you go ahead and tell tell me of about course. the book club? So, What's it called?
2: So Hospice of Homer has a book club and it's called the Good Death Book Club. And ironically enough, the book we just read was called In Love by Amy Bloom. I highly recommend it if you have not read it. It talks about this very issue. It's a a husband and wife, and the husband gets early-onset Alzheimer's, and he has to make a choice because he did not want to do the long goodbye. He wanted his own rights honored. And so, again, that book is In Love by Amy Bloom. And we want, and it's great because we get to read these books, we get to sit, and we get to talk about these experiences, what we're going through, what our thoughts are. And it's about getting comfortable talking about death and talking about grief. And our next Mm -hmm. book is actually, we're meeting again in April, and our next book is called Bearing the Unbearable by Dr. Joan Cacciatore, and it's a book on love, loss, and the heartbreaking path of grief. And Mm um Again, we uh, aren't very strict about the book club. If you want to listen to it on Audible, it's okay. Um, We know people are busy, but it's just coming together. It's at April 8th at 11 a.m., sitting and being able to talk about these difficult topics. And I did want to add on um, to what Debbie was saying about uh, the conversation piece. There is a thing called the Conversation Project, And what it is, is it gives you an outline on how to talk to somebody about end of life. And they do it about with um, people with Alzheimer's. So it's a great, tremendous resource. Go onto the website. They give you a little packet about how to start the conversation and where to go with that.
1: So I want to break in just for a minute because it's about time for final comments. And I just got an email to Kathleen at kbbi.org that says the online classes are fantastic I would recommend these to anyone dealing with dementia care or anyone wanting to educate themselves in the event that they or their loved ones should be diagnosed with dementia. Our class was with Debbie, and she was fantastic. Also, the class materials are excellent resources. All of this was free. And that's from Celia and Chris. So thank Thank you you. so much for relating your experience. We are at that time where... The first thing I would like to do is go, Morgan, can you remind everybody of the four days of dementia events and what and when and how to access them?
2: Okay. So March 16th, that's at the Homer Theater. So that's a live inside. That's the movie screening, free admission, but feel free to donate to hospice if you want. And that's at 6 p.m. again at the Homer Theater. And then at March 18th, we have the Positive Approach to Care which is uh, open to the community and it's just education. Um, And that's at 10 a.m. at the hospice office. If you're interested in a memory screening or a one-on-one consultation, just wanna talk about aging with Debbie, or to sign up for the virtual dementia tour, feel free to call hospice at 907-235-6899 to schedule because you would need to schedule for those things. We have specific times signed up. And the virtual dementia tour is available Saturday, March 18th from 2 to 4 in the afternoon and Sunday, March 19th at 10 a.m. to about noon. So you can sign up during any of those time slots.
1: And you can call Hospice of call Hospice. There's an email link on your website. Correct. And
2: and then, or just walk in. And just come and see us. Yeah. We're very kind. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then on Sunday, March 19th in the afternoon, at Pioneer Hall, we're talking about aging, so the normal aging versus something serious. So come and, and learn more about what we're doing.
1: Thanks so much. That is Morgan Laffert from Hospice of Homer. Debbie Schulich from the Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska, I'd like to give you the last word. If there, Do you feel like there's anything that's gone unsaid or that we've left out? Or just any I final just, comments you have? Thank you. Yes, I
0: just really appreciate the opportunity to connect with you and your listeners. I encourage them to reach out for any support. It may be challenging, it may feel vulnerable to reach out or to say, hey, I'm needing some support or I have some questions, but it's worth looking into. You can call Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska at 907-561-3313 Or check out our website at www.alzalaska.org. And I look forward to meeting as many of you as possible down in Homer next weekend.
1: Well, thanks so much. That is Debbie Chulik from the Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska. Also, Morgan Lafford from Hospice of Homer. Anything else you'd like to add? No, just very grateful. Thank you. All right. I'll be back. Thank you so much. Thanks to the callers and people who emailed. Thanks to Jimmy on the phones. Thanks to Morgan Laffert from Hospice of Homer and Debbie Chulik from the Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska. Let's check the tides.